Nick Abbott on LBC. Call 0345 6060 973. Let's talk to Simon Marks. Simon is LBC's US correspondent and joins us now from Washington, D.C. Hello, Simon. Evening, Nick. So in a, a couple of months, it's going to be a, war, a year of war in Ukraine. And the development now is that uh, America is considering sending the Patriot missile system to Ukraine. Now, that's a system that Putin has said would um, uh, attract consequences if America sends it to Ukraine. So, f first of all, what is it? Uh, well, the Patriot Missile Defence System is the world's most advanced uh, air defence system and something that the Ukrainians, of course, have been begging the United States and its NATO partners to supply since the moment the war began because it will dramatically increase the capacity uh, of the Ukrainian military once they are trained and know how to use it uh, to shoot down incoming uh, Russian missiles that, as we've seen just over uh, the last few days alone, uh, continue uh, to rain down all over Ukraine and particularly now to target critical uh, infrastructure, power plants, water pumping stations as uh, Vladimir Putin essentially tries to freeze the people of Ukraine out uh, over what is inevitably going to be a bitterly cold winter period that will last uh, for many, many weeks to come. So Volodymyr Zelensky has been saying to NATO for months now, stop wasting time, get us these patriots. Uh, we want to be able to use them to defend ourselves. There were concerns when that uh, request was first made because the capacity of this Patriot missile defence system goes way beyond anything that the Ukrainians have at their disposal now. The fear was that the Russians would view it uh, as NATO essentially entering the war and could easily choose to interpret this uh, as being openly aggressive action by the United States and NATO. But the fear also was that, you know, there had to be lots of conversations behind the scenes because otherwise the Ukrainians were going to be taking delivery of a weapons system that they could use to target Russian soil. Um, there was talk behind the scenes of whether it might be possible uh, to place restrictions uh, into the software that uh, runs this Patriot missile defence system so that the, the Ukrainians would, would not be able immediately to target uh, the Russians. Uh, there were ways, it was said, of uh, putting geolocation restrictions uh, into the software that runs these guidance systems uh, so that they wouldn't necessarily uh, find themselves in a situation where they had the capacity uh, directly to attack the Russians. But as uh, the Russian attacks have intensified, particularly over the last few weeks, and as Washington is hurtling towards a new political dispensation here uh, that will kick in on January the 3rd when the new Congress is sworn in. Remember, the Democrats have retained control of the Senate, but they are losing control of the House of Representatives where you've got sort of the pro-Putin wing of the Republican Party saying they don't want to give any more aid to Ukraine and they're threatening to appoint an inspector general to audit uh, the expenditure that the Biden administration has already engaged in uh, on behalf of the Ukrainian government. So the US government has realised the sands of time may be running out on their ability to get this Patriot missile defence system into the hands of the Ukrainians. So this could be the week when 
when that announcement uh, is formalised, when we learn that those systems are heading to Ukraine and we learn more about the training that the US and NATO will engage in or has perhaps already been engaging in behind the scenes to make sure that once they get them, the Ukrainians know how to use them. But that uh, the patriots are going to be heading towards Ukraine, I think no longer is in doubt. We've seen Secretary of State Antony Blinken this week saying uh, we need to do this and we need to do it now. Uh, and as I say, he's mindful not just uh, of a military position that is intensifying as these Russian assaults continue uh, in the theatre itself, but I think he's pretty mindful of the shifting political circumstances underneath the administration's feet here as well. It seems uh, bizarre from the outside to uh, see that uh, Russia is you know, pummeling a country that is uh, not able to defend itself, really, is buying missiles and attack drones from Iran and yet is com would complain if the Ukrainians would essentially put their hands up to defend themselves. Yeah, and I think that that is now priced into the US government's decision-making. I think they recognise that the, the Russians will complain uh, about the delivery of the Patriot missiles. But look, there's been no shortage of other uh, very high-end military gear that's been heading to Ukraine over the last several months, including other uh, anti-aircraft and anti-missile systems that the Ukrainians have been using uh, to considerable effect. One of the reasons why the Russians have run into such a quagmire uh, in Ukraine over the course of the last several months. Uh, but the fear now is that these attacks which are really going after non-military targets. The Russians absolutely determined basically to take uh, Ukraine's energy infrastructure completely offline. I mean, you've seen just in the last few days uh, 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 places like Kharkiv, where uh, the mayor has been saying that the damage that has been done to the power and energy infrastructure uh, is colossal. Uh, and, and it's not immediately apparent how you repair all of that to a point where you're going to be able to keep... Uh, uh, homes in the second largest city uh, of Ukraine warm through what is a bitterly cold and therefore very dangerous uh, winter season. All of that has underscored the need in the American mind to get these Patriot missile systems uh, onto the ground in Kiev as a fresh symbol uh, of America's support for the government of President Volodymyr Zelensky, even as some voices here have started saying it's time for a negotiated settlement. We've seen Henry Kissinger at the age of 99 writing an article this weekend for The Spectator uh, saying it's time for negotiations and the Ukrainians uh, ought to be ready, if necessary, to give up places like Luhansk and Donetsk and, of course, the Crimea. Uh, NATO and Ukraine will have to come to some kind of not in a wink of an understanding of NATO's support uh, for Ukraine, uh, but he's a voice out there saying if you want to avoid a, a nuclear war, I mean, that's literally how he couches it, then negotiations need to get underway. I mean, the difficulty with that approach, of course, is that neither side, uh, neither Moscow nor Kiev, currently appears to be in a mood for negotiations, uh, and US intelligence certainly thinks that we're in uh, for a slightly reduced tempo in terms of the war uh, going into the winter, but uh, an ongoing grinding military conflict nonetheless.
Now, you said that the Republicans are about to take over the uh, House of Representatives. That's at the beginning of the year. There is the January the 6th committee. That is the investigation into the uh, attempted overthrow of the US government by um, MAGAs. And um, they are coming to a conclusion next week, are they not? Just before they get disbanded and just before the Republicans can stop them from taking any legal action against Donald Trump. Yeah, absolutely. It is the end-of-picture party for the January the 6th committee. And remember, the only Republicans sitting on that committee, which of course was convened by the Democrats because they currently control a majority in the House of Representatives that they are about to lose, are dissident Republicans, uh, traitors as far as uh, Donald Trump and indeed the Republican Party writ large are concerned. Uh, men and women like uh, Congresswoman Liz Cheney of Wyoming, she's actually lost her seat. She won't even be back on Capitol Hill uh, in January. Congressman Adam Kinzinger uh, of Illinois, he stood down. He won't be back in January. So this is uh, the last gasp for them and they are going to go out, it would appear, with a bang. Uh, Multiple members of the committee have told multiple news organisations here that they will be making criminal referrals to the Department of Justice. That means that they will be bundling all of the evidence that they've gathered together and saying to the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, we, the January 6th Committee of the House of Representatives, believe that there is evidence now to support criminal charges being brought against the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. We don't know precisely what those charges are going to be. We don't know if other uh, figures are going to be named as the possible recipients of future charges, but there, it seems, will definitely be criminal referrals made against the former president of the United States. Now, you know, that's a big moment in American political history when uh, a committee of Congress investigating the uprising on Capitol Hill in January of last year says the former president of the United States fomented it and should now face criminal charges for that. Regardless of what you think of the committee, that is a big moment. And it's going to be a big issue that the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland, will have to uh, now adjudicate and decide what to do about. Does he act on that criminal referral, knowing that by the time January the 3rd dawns here, the January 6th committee has completely been dissolved, the Republicans will be in the ascendancy on Capitol Hill in the House of Representatives, they will be in charge of all the committees and they've already indicated they are going to launch investigations into what they say has been a Department of Justice witch hunt against Donald Trump and uh, people who participated in the January the 6th uprising. But can they stop a... it though? Can they, can they actually stop the legal process against Trump? Well, they can't, they can't, not if the department, once the criminal referral's made, uh, and, and of course the Department of Justice, don't forget, Nick, has been gathering its own evidence against Donald Trump in parallel. They've had a parallel investigation to the January 6th investigation. So they've got their own uh, investigative process underway. But once they, it's, once, once the, sorry to interrupt, but once no. the wheels start turning, well, if the January the 6th committee say next week, Trump yes. is, needs to go to court because we're going to try him for insurrection or whatever it is, can the Republicans, uh, as they take over the uh, House of Representatives uh, at the beginning of next year, can they put a stop to it? 
No, no, right. absolutely not. Okay. Once the criminal referral's been made to the Department of Justice, it is up to the Department of Justice in its independent role uh, to decide whether there is indeed sufficient evidence to go after Donald Trump. Right, so now, he may need... A, a better lawyer than Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> and that's going to cost him some money. And he'll be lucky to find one well, because, well, as you know, he's had difficulty finding yeah. lawyers already, partly based on the fact that he's often not minded to pay for the legal representation that he receives, but also because uh, some of the investigations and the cases, you know, particularly the mm. one relating to the um, classified documents that somehow made their way to Mar-a-Lago, uh, you know, there isn't much of a defence there for lawyers to be playing with. I mean, he no. did manage ultimately to recruit a legal team. But, yeah, I mean, his lawyers uh, will remain extremely busy. Whether, whether Merrick Garland acts on the January 6th criminal referral uh, or waits for that uh, special prosecutor uh, that he appointed a few weeks ago to helm the two separate other investigations that are underway uh, into Donald Trump's behaviour, it's pretty clear that Trump's going to need, at some point, a high-powered legal team because at some point, you know, you would imagine that at least one of these investigations leads to criminal charges mm. being brought against him. And a high-powered legal team costs a lot of money, mm. but fortunately for Donald Trump, he's, <laughs> he's just made a lot of money. He's just had a big, uh, he's just had a big windfall. Um, as you know, last week we were all told to expect a major announcement uh, from the former president at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, we wondered if that meant that he was perhaps uh, rethinking uh, his decision to run for the presidency again in 2024. Had he perhaps decided who his running mate was going to be? Might we see Donald Trump standing side by side with Kanye West? Who knew? <laughs> well, it turned out the big announcement was Donald Trump deciding that he was going to get into the digital trading card business. Yeah. This Absolutely. I don't know if you've seen the... the I have. The... They are fantastic. <laughs> if they hadn't sold out and they weren't $99, I think I would have uh, bought one for myself. Now, clear this up for me. Was it 4500 or 45000 Because I've seen both written in newspapers. These cards, these non-fungible tokens, which essentially means that the thing that you're buying doesn't exist other than as a digital file on a computer, which can be copied but you have an email that says that you own it, and that's what they're buying, the email. 45,000 of them. 45,000. $99 a piece. So he so made $4.5 million yeah. in, in half an hour. In half an hour. Showing wow. that there is more than one born every minute. <laughs> um, and what a message to him, by the way. This is not the Trump family's first uh, uh, dip of its toes collectively into the non-fungible token game. Because remember that Melania... Uh, started selling uh, NFT artworks several months ago. Um, and those also sold very quickly. Uh, now, you know, if you can make $4.5 million in 30 minutes by putting, I mean, frankly, a bunch of tat online and selling it, these extraordinary images of Trump as a superhero in yeah. a variety of different poses... Very, very slim... Very way. slim. Very, very, very slim. slim. Looked, <laughs> each photograph looked like he'd had a head transplant. Slim and very powerful. Um, if you can do that in 30 minutes, uh, one Friday, you'll probably do it another Friday and again and again and again. 
Um, I mean, it just shows uh, the extent to which, even while politically, I think the, 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 the gathering view here is that he's, that he's um, absolutely uh, blown his, uh, the launch of his presidential campaign and mm. done tremendous damage to himself, particularly through those meetings with uh, Kanye West and the white supremacist Nick yeah. Fuentes. Nonetheless, people out there will buy this stuff that he brings to market. And four and a half million dollars, that'll pay for a bit of legal work. Morons. We're surrounded by <laughs> morons. And just finally, on that subject... Uh, what's Elon Musk doing now? Because um, the shares in Tesla, I think, took a nosedive because his attention was um, elsewhere, picking fights with strangers on Twitter. And now, and now he's got a poll running. What's that? He has got a poll running. Should I step down as head of Twitter, he is asking on Twitter. I will abide by the results of this poll, he insists. It's got 10 hours left to run. So far, nearly four, nearly just, just under five million people have voted. Four million seven hundred eighty thousand votes cast. Fifty-eight percent say yes, he should step down as the head of Twitter. Forty-two percent say no, he should stay on. Let's see where that ends up in ten hours' time. But I mean, what has he been doing over the last forty-eight hours? Well, first of all, of course, he showed up in Qatar for the World Cup final today, uh, flanked by Jared Kushner, uh, <laughs> President Trump's uh, son-in-law and the former um, uh, uh, wunderkind mm. uh, of the uh, Trump administration, if that's the word that I'm looking for. Um, then, of course, we've just come out of all of these journalists here being banned from Twitter yeah. completely quixotically. The only common thread between them, of course, that they happen to have covered Elon Musk and reported on him. Uh, then we've seen more bizarre new rules being promulgated on the platform today so that uh, if you have an account that is promoting your social media presence in other corners mm. of the Internet on competitive platforms to Twitter, yeah. he's reserving the right to take your account down. Which sounds, now, suddenly, sounds like anti-competitive behaviour to me. Yeah, absolutely anti-competitive behaviour. very strong I mean, rules about that. But between that, yeah, as indeed the European Union was pointing out following the, uh, the ban of the journalists mm. on Thursday and Friday, the EU absolutely saying that he will face sanctions for that kind of behaviour uh, as, as it continues on Twitter. Now suddenly this suggestion that maybe he'll step down as the head of Twitter if the majority of people participating in this poll vote in favour of it. Of course, who will then take over and what he plans to do with the $44 billion uh, that he decided to spend on the platform shortly before he uh, decided to terrify all of its advertisers and pursue a whole series of policies that have led uh, many users to flee the platform. Yeah. Uh, Lord only knows. Who knows where we're heading, but in the next 10 hours we'll at least get the results of that of that obviously completely unscientific <laughs> Twitter poll. Yes. Good to talk to you, Simon. Simon Marks, LBC's US correspondent, joining us there from Washington, D.C.